Hello friends and welcome to Monday's edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. Um, just before we started rolling there, Ross dropped his phone, so hopefully that didn't get on the audio. Welcome to Monday's show. It was a, an underwhelming weekend for Ipswich Town. I hope you had a good one. Um, but certainly one of the success stories, if not the success stories of the weekend, was the Ipswich Town women making FA Cup history. Um, and that's how we're going to start the show this week. After I've done my usual intro, I am Mark Heath. I'm your host with me, two kings today. Andy Warren getting some culture in Milano, the big porker elsewhere, Mike Bacon. So I'm joined by Roscoe and the Dr. Stuart Watson. I'm going to start with you, Stewie. How was your weekend? Uh, we're going to talk about it in greater depth when we get on to the, the Morkan um, Jolly Boys outing. But how's things? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, um, a frustrating result at the end of a frustrating week. But um, in terms of, of travel and stay and everything, it all went, all went smoothly, thank you. Super. And speaking of smoothly, obviously always goes smoothly with young Roscoe. What else are you dropping there? What's going on? Rossi. Oh, it's not you this time. Fair enough. <laughs> it's Watson. He's pointing the finger at Watson. Rossi, how are you? You look like you've um, you've been for a run, but you're telling me you've just stepped out of the shower. Yeah, no, no. But I won't be doing an early morning run. It's uh, now just a nice shower. I'm currently in a different location. Last week, I was on a retreat at my dad's. This week, I'm at Liam from Cruise because, um, unfortunately, my house is infected. So, um, I'm here. <laughs> Rossi isolating at Liam from Cruise. Liam from Crew is a saint, Rossi. Um, yes. a very good man obviously drives you everywhere and now you're you're living with him which is which is tremendous thank you Liam from crew um Liam from crew also on that topic wrote us a report yesterday of the Ipswich Town ladies making FA Cup history again beating fierce rival Southampton at the Gold Star ground to to reach the FA Cup quarterfinals first time ever some seriously big guns ahead but this game Rossi I know it doesn't sound like it was the best game but the ending sounds mental um, I'll tee you up. So basically, essentially what happened was it went to extra time. Anna Gray pops up, scores a great goal. Looks like for all the world, Town are going to do it in, in extra time. And then literally with the last kick, technically head of the match, the Southampton keeper comes up for a corner and bullets a header into the top corner. And, and it goes to a shootout, which Town then win. They pick themselves up and win the shootout. What a day. Tell us all about it. Drama, 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 drama. Um, I will nick Liam from Cruz, um, basically title. We tell her two goalkeepers because, yeah, Southampton goalkeeper getting that late equaliser to take the game to penalties shoot out. And then, of course, Sarah Quantrill saving two penalties. But, um, yeah, the first 90 minutes, just forget about. It was a, a dreadful first 90 minutes, in my opinion. Um, but it's because it's two good sides, batting out, cancelling each other out, defending fantastically. But, yeah, extra time, drama, drama. Alan, Anna Gray with an absolute rocket to make it 1-0. She goes and celebrates the wrong way, so I'm a bit annoyed about that. But she <laughs> scores, doesn't matter about that. And then, yeah, out of nowhere, you know, they got a corner late on Southampton and you just, you see the goalkeeper go up and you're like, in a way, like a neutral, they're going like, come on then, <laughs> let's see the goalkeeper score. And then she actually does it. And you're like, oh my God, unbelievable scenes for Southampton. And um, you just thought, wow, you know, a moment that will be in memories for that Southampton goalkeeper. But then penalty shootout, we're the kings, the queens are the penalty shootout because we, we scored our four penalties and um, quarterfinals, baby. Incredible character though, Ross, because mm. I mean, I was, I was trying to follow the game on, on Twitter. Also, Fabio Wardley was fighting last night. So I was trying to be across both things as well as doing the usual kind of Sunday shift. Um, and it was certainly on Twitter. It sounded like it was all over. People were already talking about making sure they get the, the celebration pitches on, online and on social yeah. media. And then I refreshed and it was one, one. Um, so literally for, for the last kick of the game or, or head, as I say, technically, to then have to pick yourself up from the crushing heartbreak of feeling like it's been snatched away from you to go into the the lottery, as you have to say, of a penalty shootout and to then win that um, incredible character shown from the girls. Definitely. Of course, we've got such a young squad as well. And the first two penalties were two youngsters. I think both of them are only 17. So for them to step up and take the first two, is great character and um, yeah, to, to concede a late equaliser when you think you're now through to the quarterfinals and then heartbreak seeing a goalkeeper score against you. Yeah. You know, and also their, their player for the corner, she slipped and somehow it went in and the goalkeeper, she's a tall keeper to be fair. And she got the header on there. I think if um, sadly we Tash, Natasha Thomas and Lucy Egan, they had to be subbed off because of injuries. I think they may have picked up the goalkeeper because they're a bit taller than the other players, but it's just one of those things. But, yeah, a town team that could win a cut tie and uh, quarterfinals, eh? Before we get on to, to the draw, 
what about the the day as a whole yesterday? Because it was a record crowd, one thousand one hundred sixty plus, I think it was there. Um, and and by the sound of it, one hell of an atmosphere as well. Yeah, you know, it's, it's great that the Gold Star looks great in all in blue. Southampton brought a few fans as well, which is good to see. But yeah, over a thousand, you know, fans there. You know, the future of the women's sort of supporters, really. There's a lot of young kids there, young girls who are expiring to become a footballer and to see their, their heroes on the pitch, that they want to be the next Natasha Thomas, the next um, Anna Gray scoring that rocket. Um, it's just a great occasion all around. A lot of media as well, a lot of photographers, a lot of, um, you know, cameras about. And, you know, it's, it's a great occasion. And um, the players, they stepped up. You know, I'm sure a lot of them were nervous going into this game. They know it's going to be a big crowd. And um, yeah, good atmosphere. And thankfully, they got the win. And the scenes at the end was great. You know, everyone celebrating, hugging. I was struggling to try to decide who to take pictures of because everyone was like here, there, and everywhere. And I'm like, you're trying to focus on everybody at the same time, but you can't. And then, um, but yeah, great celebrations at the end. And yeah, there we go. I think for me, that's the great thing about it. Um, we had it on the back page today. Obviously, it was online last night, thanks to Liam and, and your efforts getting the stuff across. There was a great picture of the girls all jumping in the air, running across the pitch, celebrating. Stewie. You're a father of a, of a young girl. In terms of inspirational purposes, this is something it has got to be great to see, hasn't it? Yeah, I think what Ross has just said there is I think if you can see if you can see those role models in front of your eyes, that makes a, a massive difference to anyone at a young age, doesn't it? If mm. you can see a future version of yourself kind of doing something, I've taken I've taken my little girl who's five now to to watch the Ipswich women before she's little bit younger attention span started to, to wane but you know the first thing she was sort of struck even at that very young age stereotypes get embedded it's amazing just through sort of general media and society mm. get sort of in their minds and she was just blown away straight away oh it's it's girls playing daddy you know oh, I didn't realize that and you know it's not something that she's been taught it's just something through osmosis she's probably seen off off the tv or whatever she just assumed it was a you know, it was a men's game. So, um, yeah, fantastic. And uh, as Ross says, if that inspires just a handful of, of young girls to sort of get into the game and play, then that's fantastic. Um, and I can't wait for the draw later tonight. It's, um, we've got some some big guns in there, haven't we? Yeah, the draw's tomorrow morning, Stuart. Tomorrow, um, sorry. 9.15am tomorrow morning, live on BBC One. Um, and there are some serious, serious big guns in there, Rossi. Um Chelsea, Arsenal, top two in the Super League. Man City in there. Obviously, Town have got history with them. Um, and lots of other names in there. Everton, Stewie, um, as well. Um, Roscoe, what, who do we want? Do we want a, a a proper big gun, a Chelsea, Arsenal trip to, to one of these grounds where, in, in reality, they're probably going to lose? Or do we want a winnable tie? Is there a winnable tie in there, I know Coventry United are in there. Um, how far above are we looking in terms of the, the gap between the ladies and, and the sides that are left? I think we're in a different position to when we played Man City a couple of years ago in the last 16, um, because I think we such had a, such a young squad. Um, of course, Coventry is probably a team we'll probably be looking at if we want to progress to the semi finals of an FA Cup. That'll be mental, a, a tie that we'll be looking at. Um, West Ham it would be a good a good tie, you know. They're they're a team that you know we could battle, um, but yeah, likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City are probably the dream ties in terms of playing against those superstars in women's football, um, playing those big ties, and that will bring a lot of media interest. Um, Birmingham is sort of a bit of a derby for Charlie Baxter, assistant manager. He was a coach there, so he'll probably like to face them. And yeah, Everton is another team who are a team that we could, you know, really challenge. Um, but I think any 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 team, it will be an interesting game, and um, hopefully it's not a ten 0 defeat. I'm sure we'll give. So, do, do yeah. you think sort of Man Man City again would be an interesting just to see how much progress has been made? And yeah. um, when when remind me what year that was the Man City game? 2019. 2019. So it'd be interesting to see sort of how much progress has been made in the last two three years from a from a ten nil defeat. Um, Sort of uh, just how big a strides it's which um, town ladies have made. So, yeah, fantastic, fantastic story. That are you going to jump on the the quarterfinals, Stewie? You're going to say, excuse me, I'm the chief football writer. I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll be covering these games. <laughs> no, this is just this is very much Ross's his patch, and uh, there's there's people that that follow the uh, the ladies week in week out. So um, it's only right that they continue to follow this incredible story. 
Well, unless they get to Wembley, Stu. Then we, no. then we might, yeah. <laughs> um, just just for those who don't know, Ross, which is definitely me, what, what is the difference in terms of level? So obviously you've got the Women's Super League there. We've mentioned Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City. How many leagues above town are, are those sides? So yeah, you've got the Super League, then you've got the Women's Championship, and then town are currently in the third tier, the National okay. League. And there's a long title, so I won't probably mention that. But yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's just two levels. So basically, we're League One in the women's team. You know, we're League One, so it's it's similar to the men's pretty much. So there's a Super. gap there, but cup shocks and all that. Yeah, I don't think there's much hope of the, the men's team drawing a, a Man City or Arsenal or, or Chelsea in the FA Cup for for foreseeable future. So fantastic! Congratulations to all the ladies. Uh, really, really good stuff. Great to see. Really inspirational stuff as well. Um, and Roscoe, I assume there's going to be a Tractor Girls Talk special, is there? Coming out, yeah, will be. Week. Yeah, the uh, town woman skipper Blue Wilson will be joining me. Unfortunately, of course, she's currently out with a long term yeah. injury, so she wasn't able to play in this game, but she is still on the sideline celebrating. But yeah, look out for that later in the week. Superb draw, as I say, tomorrow morning, 9 15 BBC One. So look out for that one. Um, right from fantastic Ipswich Town news to underwhelming Ipswich Town news, um, another frustrating draw. At Morecambe on Saturday, Stu, with a hell of a journey behind it. By way of a segue, um, you said, ask me what me and Andy did Saturday morning in Morecambe. So that's what I'm going to do. Let's start this segment with what did Stu and Andy do in Morecambe on Saturday morning? Yeah, well, we made the trip up Friday Friday afternoon, got up there, had a nice curry um, Friday night. And then in the mor- over that curry, we were sort of discussing what we're going to do tomorrow. We've got a few hours to kill before the game. We're on, we're on the Lancashire coast, Morecambe. Could have gone and seen the Eric Morecambe statue. No, let's get competitive, I said. Let's, let's got to play a bit of crazy golf, haven't we? Ah. I've, got take, I've got to take on the man who has been ranked number 59 in the world at crazy golf. Ask me who won. Uh, so, yeah, as you say, Hutchie famously competed in the world championship of crazy golf, former world ranked. I suspect from your general smug demeanour, Watson, you gave him a bit of a lesson, did you, on the old golf course? Correct. <laughs> Correct. Got off to a, to a very early lead. Conditions weren't great on the course. We did have to queue in the cafe for a considerable period of time to get our, our clubs. We had to wait for people to order their coffees and things like that. Once we got out there, there was a lot of debris on the course. Uh, there was a, a large family in front of us that weren't making for sort of the pace of play particularly fast and I think all of this got into Andy's head ultimately uh he had one putt that that hit a twig uh and and sort of um diverted past the hole I I got an early lead and I and I didn't let it up I believe I won by by three or four holes in the end it was uh, quite quite the comprehensive win and what was there like a, a key turning point what kind of what kind of obstacles are we talking on these on these holes um there was a bit of pipe action involved. There was there was no windmills. It wasn't it wasn't the most um, it wasn't the most thematic of of crazy golf courses. Fairly basic, but um, a win's a win. So um, but yeah, just don't mention it to him. He's he's fine with it. <laughs> uh, and Roscoe, I think you did. Well, you obviously weren't involved in the, in the crazy golf tournament, which which sounds like it was quite the sporting occasion. But I, did I not see a picture on social media of you at the um, the statue? In Morecambe, yeah. one of Morecambe's most famous sons. Um, you went off with, with Liam, didn't you? Yeah, I, I travelled out with Liam from Crew and um, Paul, who um, actually calls basically Liam's twin. They look like each other and they're both Northern, but uh, they're not brothers. Um, but yeah, I went and saw the Morecambe bloke. That's what I quoted him as. Um, <laughs> the Morecambe bloke. Morecambe bloke. But yeah, statue, yeah. just he does, He's got a top hat on, I think, and he does his leg up in the air or whatever. But yeah, it was a statue. <laughs> is, um, is... But yeah. Is Eric Morecambe from Morecambe, Stu? I never knew this. Uh, I believe so. I, I also wasn't aware of this. Um, oh, there we go. I w- yeah. So Stu, Stu's better at crazy golf than, than um, Hutchie and uh, Roscoe is underwhelmed with a statue of one of our greatest comedians at Morecambe. Um, you're also underwhelmed by way of another segue into this game, um, Roscoe. You were telling us on last week's show how highly rated the pies are at Morecambe. Um, I asked for a review. It was, I've got to say it was half-hearted review review effort. Honestly, it's part of your intro to game day. You bit into one and then went, yeah, it's all right. Um, you didn't even say what sort of pie it was. Um, but I'm, I'm led to believe from yourself and others that they, they weren't that impressive. 
No, like, I was trying my best not to talk my mouth open, you know, eating and stuff. Like I was, I didn't really think this through when I was doing this intro. Maybe I should have. Yeah, um, it was just dry. I think I did. Go, we did get off in like mushy peas with the pie, but I just didn't think that would be too messy for when I needed to go out on pitch side and stuff. But um, yeah, I was a bit underwhelmed by it. Um, I actually didn't finish it. Actually, I didn't actually eat it all. Little, what did you have? Did you have, the, did you have the sports pie? I don't. I don't think they were actually about anymore. I don't know if they must oh. have st- stopped doing that. I had a beef and potato pie, and um, it was just dry and yeah, a bit underwhelmed by it. But there we go. Watto, any thoughts on the pies? Did you've, you get- you've made you've made the error of not getting the mushy peas. I think that's mm. what what made it. I know it's split opinion. I put a picture on on Twitter pre match, but that felt like a, a proper bit of northern pre match football food. That pie. Gravy, mushy peas. No, I was I was having that. I enjoyed it. Excellent. What you didn't enjoy, Stu, and now we have to talk about it. Unfortunately, we've talked enough around it. We've got to talk yeah. about the game. We've got to talk about the game itself. Um, Ipswich Town at one point were on the very brink of defeat at Morecambe. Came away with a, a draw, which is obviously not really what they need at this stage of the season. Another frustrating game. A very frustrating week. Kieran McKenna said after the game, Stu, do you share that emotion? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Frustrating disappointment. Felt like a real sort of deflating week uh, at the end of it. But it it was Cheltenham from Tuesday night all over again. Absolutely dominated the first half. Created a ton of chances. Didn't take any of them. And, and when a game gets in like that, such a one sided game reaches half time nil nil. You always fear that. The opposition won't be as bad. They'll get to grip to th- with things a bit more tactically. Maybe the intensity will, will drop off from an Ipswich point of view, and um, it will be one of one of those days. Inverted commas, and that that's that's ultimately um, what what proved to be the case. But um, just like against Cheltenham, if if Wes Burns scores that early chance. Far post volley, I think Ipswich, the floodgates would have opened and Ipswich would have gone to win on comfortably. Exactly the same in this match. Macaulay Bond has missed a couple of very big chances. Uh, headers at the far post. The first one was was the biggest sitter out of the two. Um, and I wrote in the in the preview to this one that an informed striker is the missing, looks to be the, the missing ingredient for Ipswich Town at the moment. Everything else... It's looking good in terms of the way they're they're bossing possession, dominating games, creating chances. Um, just not been clinical with us in the last couple of games, and um, yes, it's starting to feel like that that playoff playoff dream is is just starting to slip away again. It was a damaging week in terms of two points from those two games. Mm. Rossi, obviously, you were you were pitch side post pie. Um, what did you make of it from your your privileged pitch side position? Uh frustrating. Um, didn't take our chances once again. My boy, Macaulay Bond, uh, it's got to be scoring one of those chances. Um, I thought the first chance, I thought it was actually in, but it hit the side netting. Um, their keeper, I'm going to quote Sam Morsey here, best game of his life because he got man of the match, uh, Trevor mm. Carson. But yeah, just frustrating. And yeah, if we did score that early goal, I'm sure it would have showered of goals. <laughs> but it didn't, yeah, sadly. Um Stewie, obviously we've, we've talked about Town being pretty solid at the back. Obviously, they, they didn't set the record in terms of clean sheets consecutively in this game, but they did set a record for a number of minutes for with a clean sheet, sheet kept, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> um, fam- famous slip. Um, so, are Town still... They're still obviously creating chances, aren't they? Um, and it's literally just not the clinical side of things that, that they're lacking, which is unbelievable to say after earlier in the season they were scoring goals for yeah. fun. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the conversation in in that early start of the season was, well, they're guaranteed to score goals. Goals mm. galore in this side. That's mm. a given. It's just whether whether they can, you know, stop throwing away leads and conceding. And, that, and now that's kind of flipped on its head. Um, it's, it's when you're not creating chances that you worry. And Ipswich have created loads in the last couple of games. They just haven't taken them. Uh, and, but for it to happen two games in a row is is makes it, all the more frustrating. But in terms of performances, these last two games have been absolutely nothing wrong with those performances mm. at all. Still averaging close to 600 passes a game. I'm, I know people will go, well, possession doesn't mean anything. You can 
have all of the ball. It's what you do with it. They're not just knocking it about the back three and it's not possession for possession's sake. They are making chances. Um, just not taking them. It's as simple as that. And uh, it wasn't just... I mean, Bon is... Bon missed the biggest two, but Norwood had a really good chance inside the box. Alucos had a couple of, of decent openings inside the box blocked. Um, even in the second half, when Ipswich kind of went off the boil and uh, Morecambe came back into it, there's still opportunities to win it. Burns gets the equaliser and um, almost snatched it at the death when Janoy Danassian got on the end of a cross. I think the ball came off of his chest. I haven't seen him seen it back, but inside the six-yard box, straight at the goalkeeper, either side, and it's in. And you mm. go in, great spirit, kept going to the death, two late goals, and the whole mood would be different. But um, I, I think Kieran McKenna, we know he's, he's very sort of methodical and logical and calm and considered. He, he will go away and once the disappointment and the frustration sort of fades and he really sort of anal- analyses that, I think he'll, he'll feel really positive about what these last two performances mean mm. for the medium to, to long term. But it's just, um, as we've said, that the margin for error was so small, but it won't be because of these two games that Ipswich don't make the top six if it doesn't happen. The damage was done earlier in the season and um, they were just left chasing their tail, weren't they? How much of an issue in this lack of ability to score? It sounds like, I mean, obviously they are still creating chances, but um, set pieces is something we've talked about before on here. Town just not really being able to offer any sort of threat from from set pieces, Stewie, um, which is always something that's nice to have up your sleeve, isn't it? If you're struggling mm-hmm. to, to get a goal in a game, how much is that an issue for you? That was probably my biggest frustration from the game on Saturday. George Edmondson, after the Cheltenham game, came in and and talked about on those sort of games where it's just not happening for you and chances come. Set pieces can kind of dig you out of jail. They can drag Mm. you through on on certain days. And um, I think he he got his head on one, didn't he, at Cheltenham from a free kick and glanced it wide. And um, Wolfenden looped one over, didn't he, a header. But... The set pieces at Morecambe were were really poor. I think they had 12 corners in this game and never really looked like scoring from a single one of them. Um, No Lee Evans in the team, of course. Uh, Dominic Thompson took the corners for the majority of of the game on both sides. In general, his were quite sort of high and, and loopy and easy to deal with. And then... When Connor Chaplin came on, he took over, and and the majority of his sort of hit the first man, or you know failed to get beyond the, the near post. So um, that is definitely something Ipswich need to improve. They need to add that extra string to their their bow because you only have to look at England at the World Cup in 2018 and how important set pieces c- can be. You need to look at Ipswich Town going back a few years when Bearer and Chambers and Tommy Smith were, were regularly chipping in um, mm. from set pieces. So during these little moments in a season, which Ipswich are having, where the strikers have gone off the boil, um, yeah, the, the set pieces um, definitely need to improve. And I'm sure that's something that McKenna will be working on, um, given how detail-oriented he is. Um, Rossi, strikers, not scoring, can't hit a barn door. Um, your boy Bon, I think, is 1-20 in 20 now, goal drought-wise. Um, Norwood, after that tremendous kind of resurgence, has, has gone off the boil as well. Um, one of our columnists, Terry Hunt, Northstander today, said the problem's obvious. We can't score goals. So let's see Joe Piggott and let's see Tyree Simpson. Um, he says that he can't do any worse, surely. Um, what would you say to that and where do you stand on, on the strikers issue? Is it something like this? Strikers, forwards are confidence players. Obviously, we know they've been rotating. Is it just now the time just to go, right, This you are my first choice. You're going to play every game and I trust you're going to score and then keep scoring sort of thing. How would you approach it? Well, uh, the Tyree Simpson situation is one of those, it's, it's strange. He, he's playing for the 23s um, today and they're, they're playing at Playford Road. Um, Joe Piggott is just an interesting one. You know, he's scored at this level before, but just maybe the, the, the shape, the team, it's, it doesn't suit him. Um, but yeah, as do said, we're creating chances. You know, we have 22 shots on target in this goal, 22 shots on goal. Uh, 72% of um, possession, you know, one week we will batter a team, hopefully, and, and we'll take these chances. Um, but yeah, just unfortunately, McCauley Bond is just really, really out of form. James Norwood is at one goal or no goals out of nine games. Caden mm. Jackson's come out of nowhere. 
unfortunately, we just don't have that that prolific striker that really will put us into that next level on in this in this league. Because you look at Morecambe, they're they're in the bottom four, but they've got Cole Stockton, who's got twenty one goals this season. Um, Wes Burns has scored ten goals. Macaulay uh, Bon, of course, had that amazing start to the season, but one goal in twenty games is not good for a striker. And you mm. can probably see with his misses, it's probably because he's, he's affected by that. Mm. Um, he looked. Your, um, <laughs> yeah, Macaulay Bond's head didn't look in a good place to me during that second half. He looked like a man who is, yeah, just got confidence is low. He's obviously not getting the, the same run in the side that he had earlier in the season. There was a moment where he got booked for a pretty sort of routine soft coming together for a, for a foul, and then he turned and let a real volley of uh, frustration out in towards the linesman. Um, when he got substituted, he sort of trudged from the field with a with a real sort of slow shake of the head. Um, I've never known a season, you know, a player to have such highs and such lows within within a within a season. Maybe all the stuff around sort of will he won't he leave in January and his future and all of all of that stuff. He's he's had things going on off the off the field as well in his personal life, which he's documented on. On social media with with him and his partner and um, trying to conceive and, and and stuff like that as well, which we always we always talk about. You know, we, we underestimate um, things away from football can can affect form as well. But um, yeah, it was that was sort of sad to see sort of Macaulay Bond toiling a little bit like that when when he came off in in the second half. But he, we shouldn't get fixated on on just him. He's not he's not the only one and. Um, uh, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because you're talking about now, do we turn to Tyree Simpson? And, you know, are we just writing off all of these players? Because, you know, Piggott has scored goals at this level, plenty mm. of them, and, and Norwood's the same. And we're all in love with Macaulay Bond just a few months ago. So do, do you just give up on these players or do you do what you've just said and almost now just say, yeah, you're going to get a run of whatever happens, you get the next three games or whatever. Mm. And, and that maybe is what, what one or two of these players needs to hear. We've we've really praised the McKenna sort of forward rotation pick players for specific games. And it's great when, when Caden Jackson comes in against MK Dons and it's part of a really specific game plan, we're, we're praising him to the hilt. But then all of a sudden, people don't score and it's like, oh, is, is the rotation stopping people getting some rhythm? So I guess you can't have it both ways. So I don't know. What? What would you do, Stu? Because we know your your partner in crime. One of his famous sayings on here is, "If you can't score goals, you can't win games." And Town are struggling to to score goals, certainly from the strikers at the moment. So they've got Bond, they've got Norwood, they've got Piggott, they've got Jackson, they've got Simpson. What would you do? Would you say you my, are gonna, my go to if head. you're looking if you're looking for what is you you need goals and you need a striker to start scoring goals. I think James Norwood's record, if you look at all of them over a period of time, is the man that has got the best sort of goals per game record. He's the one that if a if a big chance fell to any of them, he's the one I'd be hanging my hat on the most. And I think you want to get him in a position where he's going to get those chances. He played on Saturday, but it was a back to being that sort of left-sided type role. If you look at his touches, not many of them were in the box. Mm. Would I back him to take one of those chances that sort of fell for, for Macaulay Bond? Yes, I would. Maybe I'm being a bit un, unfair there, but um, get James Norwood on the end of, of the chances. I think he's the man that's most likely to uh, to hit the goal trail again for, for Ipswich Town. Agree with that, Rossi. I know you've obviously got a fondness and a, and a history with your boy Macaulay Bond, but um, is it time to go Norwood? Mm, but then Norwood's, you know, not not no no goal in nine games. Um, but then who else is left? You know, I, I don't feel Joe Pitt, if he starts, I don't think he's going to go and fire us goals. He's going to be lacking the confidence. Um, but I think you've, we've got to pick someone at some point. Um, and Jane Norwood, as Stu said, he is proven at this level. He can score goals. Um, and maybe, yeah, if he had one of those Macaulay Bonds chances, he may have scored it. Definitely maybe one of the header chances because Norwood has scored a few headers in his time. But um, I think, yeah, McKenna needs to make a decision soon just to pick that striker and go, I'm going to lead with you. Score me the goals, please. Or bring in maybe a player out of nowhere. Like Connor Chaplin has played up front before. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe a shout. Something left field. He's certainly um, 
not above doing that, is he, McKenna? He likes to surprise people, perhaps. Um, Stewie, I know it's part of your Stu says today, um, which I thought would make an interesting chat as well. You're talking about the lone players, Thompson and, and Backinson, and also our, uh, our columnist, Terry, I mentioned earlier, says Bon at one point nailed on that he, you know, we'd be, we'd be trying to sign him. Uh, and now he says, as far as he's concerned, it, it wouldn't surprise him at all if he goes back to QPR. In terms of the loan players and, and trying to impress and trying to earn a, a permanent move, Stewie, what, what have you made of, of the likes of, of Backington and obviously came in at the weekend? We knew that Evans couldn't play. Thompson has been up and down and and even someone like Macaulay Bond, who's been absolutely on fire. He's got all the narrative behind him. And now it's actually a genuine conversation. You're thinking, well, can town do better in the summer? Yeah, we're having this discussion on on the way home and just saying how many of these players will will look to be the core of McKenna's team mm. for next season because you know, season's not done yet, but we're starting to it won't be long before we're starting to have conversations about next season and you're looking at it and there's a core of players there, but none of those front players are guaranteed to be here next season. Bond's loan expires. Um Jackson and Norwood both out of contract and Piggott's the only one under contract and it the way things are at the moment, it wouldn't shock you if if both parties came to a, you know, same as Scott Fraser, both parties came to the agreement that it's just not worked out and, you know, thank you and maybe we'll move on. But we'll have to see on, on that sort of top end of the pitch. But the two January ones, um, Backinson... The way I described his performance on Saturday was that he did he made the difficult things look easy. There was a couple of really well weighted clipped crosses from sort of just outside the box that found men and played some really really good sort of uh, through passes. But then made the made the easy stuff look hard. He just got a bit sloppy mm. and he gets a bit complacent and he's a bit easy ozy, lackadaisical and. And that's really frustrating. Uh, and I guess that's ultimately why Bristol City have loaned him out to kind of round off those raw edges a little bit. Um, so I think there's a lot of work to do from from his perspective to kind of turn that loan permanent, which Ipswich have obviously got the option to do. Dominic Thompson was growing and growing on me game, game by game. But fitness has been a real issue for him in the last couple. Both the Cheltenham and Morecambe games, he has fatigued badly like mm. someone's just pulled the plug on him he's gone down to zero percent battery and just there was a moment in the second half where he gave the ball away and just you could just tell he, he went to sort of start his recovery run and then just stopped because he had nothing left in in the tank um it was him who gave the ball away for, for the goal in the start of that sl- sloppy second half um and he's not Maybe it's difficult because he's not. He's going to get comparisons to Wes Burns playing on that opposite side, and he's mm. not. There's not many players that are, can play that wing back role in such an attacking manner as, as Wes Burns. I think he's more of a left back than a, a, a left winger. Put it that way. So um, I'm more keen on Thompson than I am Backinson thus far over the, the small example size that we've, we've had. Yeah, Rossi, um, Stu used the term I think in, in your Stu says saying that Thompson is a left back, basically playing at left wing back. Um, so is it time to look at other options there? We've obviously got Matt Penny. We've not seen Matt Penny for a while. KVY would be an option as well. Is that something you'd look to be doing going forward? We've had this problem all season, haven't we? Um, even for the last couple of years, that left side we've always had problem with. Um, and as Stu said, like Wes Burns is perfect for that position. You know, he's, he's, He loves attacking. He loves getting forward, scoring goals. Um, but yeah, I, I Matt Penny hasn't really impressed me when he has played. Um, I know he can play that, that left wing back role, but KVY, once again, I've seen he's playing for the under 23s today, um, probably to get fitness, um, but I haven't really liked him there either. So we haven't really got many options, to be honest. Um, do yeah. we just stick with Thompson because he is here on loan? You know, I'm sure Brentford will want him to play. But there's, that has been our problem, and hopefully that is McKenna will be looking at that and going, I need to improve on that next season but um there's never an option there but mm. I, I echo what Stu said Thompson does look knackered so maybe this weekend maybe he'll just get rested and we could get thrown someone random in that position maybe it was interesting that he didn't put either Penny or Vincent Young on the bench we had four 
attacking players on on that bench and no no fullback, which I thought was was a little strange given that we'd seen Thompson sort of fade on the Tuesday night game to not not have a sort of a backup option there. Um, surprised me, shall we say? But um, Penny. Penny's had his ups and downs. Ultimately, there's a reason we were talking about Ipswich needing to strengthen that left side when when we went into January. But maybe just get some crosses into the box. And I would say sort of Penny has his faults, but I think he can deliver a cross from that left-hand side. And that's your go, go-to option. Just get someone like Norwood attacking attacking good deliveries in, into the box and, and see what happens. Um Vincent Young's obviously sort of a bit more direct, a bit more dynamic, but I think his his natural instinct is just kind of the step overs and cut inside and and do all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I'll be interesting to see who he goes with um, at the weekend. <clears throat> okay, obviously another another long trip this weekend to Fleetwood. Um, some interesting, spicy narrative going on in that game. Obviously Toto and Ellis Harrison um, both playing for Fleetwood, and we'll get onto that later in the week. In the Joe uh, Garner as well. Joe Garner, yeah, fantastic. Superb. Lots to talk about then later on this week, Thursday, when we do our, our second pod of the week. Um, anything else to mention from from Morecambe, chaps, before we move on to the, the, the wider picture? I have two things, if that's all right. Um, of course. I mentioned on the pod on Thursday that um, I never thought I would ever go as far as Morecambe. And yeah. um, I would actually go back to Morecambe. I really did enjoy myself on the oh, seaside. Nice. Morecambe is a very nice place. Um, maybe the other bits of Morecambe I didn't visit maybe isn't as good, but just the seafront, the bay. Uh, luckily, it was a nice day, but um, I just was looking and just like, Morecambe's a nice little place. Um, a long way to go, but a nice little place. Um, so, yeah, and the fish and chips I had after the game was very was spot on to end the, the miserable result. Um, and the second shout-out goes out to Joe and Ryan, who are um, keen listeners. They're also... Weirdly, Inverness fans, they both live up in in Scotland, but they are town fans as well. And um, they run the ITFC Scotland page on Twitter. So any Scottish fans listening, um, check them out. If you want to come to games and do meetups, watching games up in Scotland, you can. And what makes it more weird, of course, Liam from Crew is also an Inverness fan because that's where he lived and grew up. So it's sort of just random that we bumped into him in a, in a pub um, in Morecambe and um, they were there. And it's just a, it's a small world, just a small world. I'm up for an Inverness tie-up. Inverness is a beautiful place. Um, yeah. So, yeah, maybe KOA Live Inverness coming to you in a few months. Um, Stewie, you wouldn't have heard the pod because obviously you don't listen to it ever. But um, Roscoe saying that he never thought he'd travel as far as Morecambe uh, last <laughs> week, which was a, a charming moment. Um, and I'm, I'm pleased to see that, that when you realised that dream, Rossi, that you liked it. So fantastic. Um, you're not going to be in Fleetwood this weekend, but I doubt you have a similar feeling for Fleetwood as you would Morecambe. Um, right then, chaps, should we move on to the wider picture? Ipswich Town now have 11 games left to get into the playoffs. We've always said it's looking like a very tough ask. Stewie used the term today in your column, which I keep referring to because it was excellent. Um, not quite mission impossible, but mission highly unlikely now. There are 11 games left. Town are on 53 points. We reckon 75 points gets them in. So they need... 22 points from the remaining 33. Um, how are we feeling, Stewie, about this task? March, obviously, they've got some huge games in March with the likes of Oxford, Plymouth, Portsmouth, Wigan still to come as well over Easter. Um, how are we feeling sitting here today, Stewie? Uh, it's not over till the fat lady sings, I, <laughs> I guess, but it felt like... It felt like a really damaging week in in terms of points. Um, by sort of Wednesday, that gap could have could grow more. Obviously, there's uh, games in hand for several of the teams um, around Ipswich competing for that those playoff spots. It's what makes it all the more frustrating is there was some real. We felt like there was some real momentum growing after that Burton game. Even if they'd have got four points out of those two games, I think there would have still felt like that sense of momentum. But um, yeah, that's uh, now you've got you going into those games against the likes of Portsmouth, Oxford, and Plymouth, needing to win the majority of of those. Um, when you might have been able to, you know, a few more wins might you might have been able to go into those thinking a draw's okay here. Um, 
But as, as I said right at the very start, it's not it's not these last two games that have done the damage. It's uh, it's it's that that start, and I think that it's felt for a long time like that was going to be the ultimately the, the narrative of this season. How damaging that that first seven eight games was. Hmm. Roscoe, I'll read these these fixtures for March before we come to you because um, it's worth just recounting them. So this Saturday, obviously, they're at Fleetwood. Next Tuesday, at home to Lincoln. Following Saturday, at home to Portsmouth, obviously a side they, they tonked earlier in the season. Um, Saturday, 19th of March, away Oxford. That's where they've already sold out the away end. Fantastic. And then finish the month of March at home to Plymouth. Hearing those fixtures, how does that make you feel? Well, um, if we got six points out of the last two games, I think we would be thinking, all right, it's still on here. Um, as you know, I famously said the season's dead in December. Um, I hate saying I could be proving A1 right because um, it's on paper, it's it, it's looking happening. Um, I think it's a lot of mixed emotions because there's so much, so much positivity going around the club at the moment. McKenna mm-hmm. has brought a new life to this this team. Um, every week, they know it's it depends on teams around us who are dropping points. And all oh, was it? How many points was it on Saturday? Was it two points, three points? We're off the playoffs, and we're thinking, oh, this could this could happen. We could be going to be in the playoffs, but um, we can't rely on other teams around us dropping points. We've got to go on this run, and unfortunately, we can't go on that momentum run. Um, but um, I'll just stick to that point. Season's dead. Enjoy it. You know. Yeah. Um- just, just revel in that, Rossi. Um, I don't mean, want it, to. It, I don't want to. I'm not happy no, about no, it, but... <laughs> absolutely not. Um, but, but equally, I mean, if Town do come through March, the Easter looks hellacious. Um, Rotherham away on Good Friday, and then Wigan at home on Easter. Yeah, Monday. but then I was kind of looking at that and thinking those two games obviously look difficult on paper, but the fact mm. they're coming that bit later, you're starting to think, well, Rotherham could be up by then. And yeah. how many times do you see a team? naturally kind of lose a bit of that that edge once once they're up and um so I was I was looking at these fictions and thinking that they're all kind of in a in quite a nice order for McKenna that there was a chance to build some you know very winnable games that were leading up to that that three game block that always jumped off the page Portsmouth Oxford Plymouth at the end of March and I just thought if they could get into those three games within touching distance you never know and then they could have you know taken some real confidence into those three, got whatever out of those six points out of the, the three games. And then come Easter, like I say, Rotherham Wigan might have might be away and, and you don't know. So that's what makes the last week so frustrating because I think I hope that we don't look back on that and just thinking what if what if they'd have taken some of those chances in in those two games. But um yeah, you never know. Fleet Fleet we were away, very winnable Saturday. Lincoln are in a in a horrible run of form, getting dragged right into the relegation zone at home. Two two home games back to back with Portsmouth them coming. So we'll see. It's the hope that kills you, as we so often say. I mean, you could argue, of course, that playing sides that are above them that they need they need to claw back points on it, it is a positive, isn't it? So it could still say, you know, we, we still have it kind of in our own hands, um, as long as they get those wins as we're talking about how difficult it looks to get into the playoffs and it always was going to be a massive job let's be honest for, for McKenna when he came in we shouldn't lose sight though should we Stewie of just how positive um things have been since he's been in I mean what is it yeah. now how many games has it been now 12 12 two points a game yeah which is automatic promotion form over over a prolonged period the, the goals against record is or still we're only talking about five goals conceded in 12 games which is which is remarkable. I think they've had the lion's share of possession in in all twelve of those games. Hmm. Um, we talked we talk, talk about some of the stats of twenty two shots from Saturday, whatever it was, against Cheltenham, playing some really good football. Players that were completely out in the cold have come back and and playing some really good football. Yeah, it's there, there's so much to like at this moment in time. Just this, this calm, considered, open manager that that people are really buying into um knowing that there's the ownership are going to back them again in the summer whose stomach was that 
That's mine. <laughs> that was quite audible. That's the, the power of the... Apologies, friends. I've had meetings all morning. This is now, what is it? It's coming up to 1pm. I've not had anything to eat since my omelette this morning. And uh, and Heath's treat tank is empty. Um, so I need to sort that out after we after we finish recording. I do apologise. <laughs> yeah. No, lo- loads to like at the moment, isn't there, about Ipswich? Just tinged with a bit of what, what if... What if for the, those last couple of games? But um, yeah, g- going forward, it feels like the what is it the, the the two double oil super double oil tanker that Mark Ashton talked about turning is is finally turning. So yeah, it just it just would be nice for it to fully turn, wouldn't it? I mean, we've we've been talking about things turning since uh, since Lambo was here. Um, yeah, it's well, there always seems to be positivity. There's always a bit of something else happening that's just not quite there. Um, Rossi, how are you feeling about things under McKenna? Yes, it looks like we're not we're not going to make the playoffs potentially, but um, the club is going in the right direction, isn't it? You can't argue that. Yeah, um, I think a lot of fans are proud to support their football club again. Definitely, in the community feel the stadium is now looking very pretty because it's all been you know painted and and all that, and you know. On the pitch, okay, they're not getting the results and not taking those chances, but Kieran McKenna has just changed everything and it's just um, just encouraged for next season. And we've got a project here. Um, we've got players, we've got a, a, a spine of a team, you know, Walton and Goal, Edmerson, Wolfie, Morsey. Hopefully they do stay. You know, you never know. There could be interest from championship clubs um, if they're still in League One. But um, everything to just be positivity, as you said, always is always positivity at the club, and then also a bit negative there. You know, normally on the pitch or something else going on in the background. But um, I'm encouraged by McKenna, and uh, yeah, I'm still happy that uh, we've got our club back. Yeah, it always seems we've got. Yeah, that's great, but doesn't it with town? Um, so we will see. Certainly, loads to be positive about. It would just would be nice to get right in there, wouldn't it, Stu? In this this final couple of months, have something to really cling to. Yeah, just whatever happens in terms of where they finish, just just carry on like they have these last twelve games. Finish finish it off. If they finish short, they finish short. But I think everyone will be so excited, and what you know, we'll be counting down the days over the summer, mm. um, watching the track what McKenna does in his first summer transfer window with interest. And um, I think Ipswich will be going into next season as one of the. One of the favourites, even even though the, the names of the teams that, that will be in this, this division won't get any easier. I just got a feeling, you know, when we've done these pre-season chats, it's felt like we've had to kind of talk ourselves into it when we're doing where we'll Ipswich, well, they might be fourth or fifth and maybe. Mm. And did we truly believe it? I think there'll be some genuine belief that Ipswich Town can be a, a real force to be reckoned with next season. F- famous last words, but... Um, it, it feels like something is is growing here. Yeah, I reckon day after all the playoffs are done um, and the odds come out for the next season, I reckon Town are going to be favourites, second favourites for League One. Watch this space. Very, very exciting. Um, that seems a, a good place to end it on a, on a positive note after a frustrating week. Boys, anything else to talk about? Stewie, you've got anything else you want to mention? Get off your chest. Anything you want to say now your partner in crime's not around? Yeah. <laughs> uh... No, I don't think so. No, we didn't see Tyson Fury. We looked out for him for you, so we could do Ross's little fist pose next to him. <laughs> he's, he's obviously in in lockdown blackout mode for the for the big fight, isn't he? We saw lots yeah. of the inspirational quotes on telephone boxes and and things around the place. Um, yeah, but then I came home and I told the wife I'd been to Morecambe, and she was more interested if I'd bumped into the. Um, if you've seen that program, the show, the Britain's Biggest Family that have got like a million <laughs> kids, they live in Morecambe. That's what she was more interested in, but didn't, didn't see them either. Lots of interesting things to, to pull one to Morecambe. Rossi, have you got anything else you want to mention? Anyone you want to shout out? Anyone come up to you and ask for a picture or just said generally they love you this week? Um, I don't know his name, but he um, he was a guy who held the camera for me because it normally takes me a few takes. Liam from Crew did the first take and then he went off and got himself a pie. And then I thought, I didn't like that first intro. So I thought, and then luckily some listeners came over and they sort of held it for me. And um, I think I did it in my like fifth go. I think there's someone put a, a video up on Twitter saying, Ross not having this pie. And also this is like his fourth take. But uh, so shout out to those. Sorry, I didn't get your name, but um, thanks for doing that. Can yeah. we get a bloopers reel at some stage? Please tell me you've kept you've kept all of these outtakes. 
No, I, I have oh. to keep. I have to keep them for the time being. Now I'll keep. You know the Fleetwood one because there's one of the takes is I didn't realize like all the players were behind me doing their warm up. I looked, I went, oh, <laughs> so that that'll be one of the takes we'll have to use because they're all behind. Me. They must be thinking, who the hell? What's this bloke doing with a pony's hand and talking to to his camera? But yeah, there we go. Per- perfect end of season content that is. Rossi, um, yeah. I love the fact that you're such a big deal now. You literally just summon people. Don't need to know your name, mate. Just hold this camera. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk into it. I'm the star. I'm Roscoe. On you go. Um, yeah. So I also, of course, have noted as well, Stewie, that you've been getting called into selfies outside games and stuff. Fantastic. Great to see uh, more of those, please. Yet to see an inflatable Stuart Watson, Andy Warren, or Rossells in the crowd, but there's still 11 games left to get that done right then friends um that's been this week's podcast we'll try and finish on a positive um just a usual reminder to support our sponsors manscaped use the code carry at manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free delivery and also supporters across all our social medias kings of anger on youtube which we're really trying to push at the moment instagram facebook and twitter um so there you go first podcast of the week is in the books um some tremendous news from literature town women look out for that draw tomorrow morning 9 15 a.m Tuesday morning we'll find out who they play in the next round uh, and we'll be back later on this week to look ahead to that trip to Fleetwood have a great start to the week and we'll speak to you next time from true crime to football Brexit to football more great podcasts from Archon head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.